Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 71. Like you have to be willing to almost like really get get in there, get dirty and put it all out in the line. And if you're not really putting yourself out there, like are you going to get that job? Are you going to impress your supervisors enough? This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I am Scott Caulfield. Today, joining me at the National Conference 2019 in Washington, D.C., Kaylee Fournier from NYU, right here in the city. Well, not this city, but in the city, not far away. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, super excited. Um, you are in another city now, but uh, our kind of connection also goes back to the old White Mountains and the Grand Dartmouth College. <laughs> Good old Dartmouth. <laughs> um, I think it's it's always neat for me when... Um, when you've coached somewhere and if, and if you're still connected there and you stop back by to meet the people that are in there and, you know, get to connect with people. Yeah. When you used to come through all the time, yeah. like <laughs> you're from Vermont. Vermont. Yeah. 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 So, and I live actually, when I worked at Dartmouth, I lived just across the river in Wilder, Vermont, because I Wilder's couldn't so afford beautiful. to live in Hanover. But <laughs> Nobody can afford to live in Hanover. The only people that can afford to live in Hanover are the Dartmouth students. Right. <laughs> Um, but now I know that was awesome uh, experience, and we're going to talk a lot about that and your experience now at NYU, which is Division Three school. But you also started out before that in the Ivy League at Yale, right? Yep. Too, and yeah, I mean, and you're from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. but you didn't go to school there. So let, like, yeah, let's flash back to that. Where did you first? Uh, hear about strength and conditioning or realize that you could get into this field somehow? So Massachusetts is back in the day when I was growing up, I didn't even know strength and conditioning existed. So when I went to school down south at FGCU, you know, Dunk City. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it existed. And I was going the route for PT and then realized like, PT is very boring. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's just not for me. Yep. It's for some people, but like working with one person for an hour and then going into the next person, like, I just like, this isn't what I want to do. Like, I, I like athletics. I want to work with athletes. I wanted to be in a group and I liked lifting. And my supervisor at the time goes, well, why aren't you looking into this field called strength and conditioning? And I go, what is this you talk about? <laughs> like, he's like, all right, he's like, I want you to find an internship in strength and conditioning. So I started looking around. I knew I wanted to go home to Massachusetts and ended up finding Holy Cross and Jeff Oliver and really just absolutely fell in love with it. Day one, like walked in the room and you just see, I like walked into a football lift and it's just all these guys like thrown around weights. And I was just like, loud music. This is it. This is what I want to do. (laughs) And I just went full force forward with it. Ended up getting into Olympic lifting at, um, Bridgewater where I did my master's and just fell in love with the entire sport. Yeah. And Jeff's been there forever, right? Yeah. I think when I, when I was doing my internship, I think he was there for like 13 years and B had just left. Yep. Wow. That's cool. Um, no, and, and you got into Olympic lifting yourself to just cause to be more proficient at teaching it or you also really like, Oh, this is cool lifting style. It was a really cool lifting style. Um, 
I knew if I really wanted to get into this field, it was probably something I needed to really be more efficient at. Yeah. And I mean, once once you put some, a bar w- like fast up and over your head, like come on, <laughs> like it's it's great. It's, it's an cool. awesome yeah. thing to do. That's so awesome. That's great. Um, so yeah, and Bridgewater. I don't know, if, you know, people that might not know this, but again, being from the Northeast, I've heard of Bridgewater a lot, but they've had a, you know, pretty long standing, really good exercise science program, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dr. Ellen Robinson, fantastic. Cannot say enough about her. Even like her weightlifting team is phenomenal. She is cranking great athletes out of it. That's cool. And is that kind of into embedded almost like in the curriculum where like you get in there and you're now like realizing, oh, wait, i I can join this weightlifting team or I should maybe. <laughs> so my, one of my, um, the interns when I was at Holy Cross was like, you need to go to Bridgewater. Cause it was between like, I was going home. I was like, I'm going to either do my master's at Bridgewater or Springfield. Yeah. Those are the two colleges yeah. in Massachusetts that just are great for the program. And I was just like, which one do I pick? Which one do I pick? And he just kept repping Dr. Ellen Robinson yeah, okay. and just was like, you need to go to her. You, like, if you want to be in this field, go to Bridgewater. And now I'm just like, why did no one rep Springfield? Like, yeah. it's a phenomenal school. Right. But uh-huh. at that point, like, it was Bridgewater. Okay. There was no anything else. So Nice. No, that's good. And um, did you do some internships while you were there, too, that kind of, you know, I mean, you saw the football working with Holy Cross. And yeah. Um, but... I actually went, so everyone at Bridgewater was going to schools in Boston and I did not want to do that. I didn't want to have the same resume as everyone. And I think this is why, like I am where I am today. I opted to go a completely different route and I was like, I'm going to go down. So instead of looking into Boston, I was like, if it's going to be 45 minute commute for me to go to Boston, why not go 45 minutes South? So I was pretty much traveling from Worcester and I was like all right like we're in the circle is another 45 minutes out and I was looking at UConn and then I was like well why not why not Yale and I did a phone interview with them and they just were like if you're gonna travel 45 minutes to us we will we will take you and that internship for a semester ended up turning into a paid internship so I think you have to be willing to travel and put yourself out in someplace different and diversify yourself because if you're not willing to travel like this field is all about traveling you're right. never going to be where you want to be right. for at least the first 10 years of your yeah. life yeah, <laughs> like yeah. if you found a job in your hometown right. like right. i'm impressed yeah yeah alan hedrick's the only strength coach i know he's he's been he's been coaching for 30 years and he's been uh in Colorado his whole time. So he's, he's a unicorn, but that's okay. Maybe Jeff Oliver too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that internship, uh, that was an unpaid internship unpaid turned inter- into a paid internship. Yep. Yeah. So do you think you did some things that like set you apart to, to make, to earn yourself that obviously you earned it, but like, is there anything special or different that you'd think about when you look back on it? Like, Oh, I wonder, you know, that's I just completely immersed myself yeah. and, I mean, traveling, you're there all day. So I was there at 6 a.m. So I was like waking up at four to drive an hour and a half almost to get there to park, get in there before the teams were there to like, you have to be willing to almost really get, get in there, get dirty and 
put it all out in the line. And if you're not really putting yourself out there, like, are you going to get that job? Are you going to impress your supervisors right. enough? Right. No, I think that's such a good point. And I've, I've said it before too, but like you you do those things, you know, when you can, why, as long as you can, while you can, and then good things typically happen. So mm. it's, I know that some people are like, Oh, you know, why am I going to work all these crazy hours and do this for nothing? Why am I going to clean blah. the platforms? Right. Right. You know, <laughs> no, you got to clean it. Yeah. I mean, when I was at Dartmouth, I was, you know, working there, working another side job. I knew some people in Hanover, some rich people that would have me like bartend parties every once in a while. Like, I mean, probably I, I, I do. And I think I said a while ago that people probably remember that when I went to NSA in 2011, that's the first time in my life that I've only had one job. Like, wow. it was just, you know, I did, I did other things to do what I needed to do. Especially since, I mean, when you're a low man on the totem pole, you're not getting paid that well. Right. You have to be doing other things. Yeah. I remember being at Yale and personal training during lunch hour yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then going back and coaching my next team yeah. and then going out at night to yeah. go and coach more athletes. Like yeah. your days are long. Yeah. Um, and Ivy League schools, uh, for those that don't know, typically have a ton of teams, a ton of varsity teams that all train. Um, what was what was the internship like at Yale? What kind of did you get thrown right into the fire? Or was it kind of like so when uh, I was testing on, her out first? When I was an unpaid intern, it was you're working with all the teams. You're not writing any programs. You're just on the floor, watching, coaching, and cleaning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I impressed somebody. Yeah, so I yeah. ended up getting that paid internship and that's when they were like, here's your 10 teams. Yeah. You, you're writing everything. You are the head of their teams. You're meeting with the coaches. You're creating their schedule. Nice. Go. <laughs> um, so 10 teams, like that's a lot. And the yeah. Ivy league does not have all just traditional. It's a very right. untraditional sports as you yeah. know. And you have to find out about them. Like sailing fencing right, like, right all these sports i've Squash, never heard of yeah, and you yeah. you have to figure out what they need and to be able to train them like if you can't figure out what they it's not football it's not basketball yeah. like they're very different sports right yeah and you were talking about we were talking earlier we started, before we started rolling that yeah these teams right are coming in back to back and so you're like switching gears boom constantly mm. like oh yep like one team can be high energy and then the next team is low energy. And how do you change your coaching status to meet their needs? Because yeah. not every team is going to have the same chemistry. Yeah. Like I'm high energy, but if I have to go from men's lacrosse to sailing, it's different. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. That's such a great point. Um, and programming wise, you just, you know, being able, like you said, to evaluate sports and positions and then write programs i mean your uh, programming ability gets so much better in that setting it really does and i think i was honestly just talking to one of my friends the other day about it and he's like well what's the thing that you've grown the most in like in the past two years and i was like honestly i used to not trust myself when it came to program and i'd sit there and like agonize and be like is this right should i have done this should i have done that and now like I'm writing f programs for 15 teams. And if it wasn't for the seven years I spent in the Ivy, like yeah. I realized like all of a sudden I'm like just cranking out programs. Cause I'm like, Nope, this is right. Go with it. Done. Right. Like yeah. it yeah. makes you so much more efficient and the ability to trust yourself 
just all of a sudden you're yeah. just yeah. you're at a different level confidence yeah. right yeah um so you how long were you at yale three years almost three almost three yep and then a job opened at dartmouth how'd that kind of come up um dartmouth kind of like has because it's a little bit more north and out in no man's land right. a little tougher for people to live yeah, yeah so it tends to, it. to um have a little bit of extra turnover yeah. as opposed to the rest of the ivies and nothing wrong with it i spent almost five years there yeah. um and i loved it but i think because of that turnover it opened up a position and it's easy to move in a division right because right. all the coaches know each other so Emil, which was my boss at Yale, was like, all right, like, Dartmouth's opening up. He's like, talk to Bob. So talking to Bob, like, my one of my track coaches, his wife was the throws coach, and they're also talking. They're like, you need her. You need yeah. to bring her up there. So I do think, like, as much as it's about knowing the strength coaches, sometimes it's about knowing the other coaches as well and, like, you can't not talk to the other people in the department. Like right. you need to be right. able to reach out and be friends with all the sports coaches because they're going to help you. They're going to help network for you and push for you to get that job. Yeah. And uh, so you got hired at Dartmouth as the first, you were the first assistant, right? Yeah. And then, so was this totally different teams now? And you're like, oh, well, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> or were some, a few the same? A few the same, okay. um, a lot different. Um, so at at Yale, I was coaching like softball and volleyball and a lot of the non-traditional sports. You go to, I go to Dartmouth and all of a sudden I have men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse. I have all of swimming by myself, like very different sports, but you came from already looking and knowing how to program for a lot of non-traditional. So you have that base of being all right, like, let me research what this team needs. I'm going to go talk to those coaches. I'm going to talk to the athletic trainers yeah. and really just dive in. Yeah. Was Jim Wilson the swim coach when yeah. you were there? That's my guy. Love it. Um, was he there when you yeah, were there? Yeah, yeah, Man, that guy was there forever. <laughs> he was. No, that was so much fun. Um, he was a great coach to work with. He allowed me to do what I wanted to do, and he had his thoughts about a few exercises here and there that I had to tell them what might not be the greatest uh football men's women swimming and rugby Ooh. yeah so that was fun men's started with football fantastic team yeah. there but it was the same thing like you said it kind of snowballed like i just volunteered with football and then they paid me and then they asked me if i wanted to do men's women swimming mm -hmm. and as you know at that at a school like that where you don't have a lot of help you might be the only one with all the 50 swimmers and at 6 a.m mm, oh yeah yeah you're you're there and like interns do a fantastic job and Spencer right now is doing a great job of getting interns to come to yeah. Dartmouth. And I think being in the Ivy as an intern, I think it's one of the best things you can do right. because you learn so many different sports, but those people just like work. Right. You are there and you're by yourself and you're working yeah. teams and it's all day yeah. seven in the morning seven at night <laughs> yeah. you have teams because yeah. there's 34 of them it's right. never downtime yeah yeah no and um we've andrew hoodie and i were talking about this yesterday and joe ken and i have talked about it a lot but like that experience like you've been alluding to the whole time 
program and coaching all these different sports teams, whether it's football or Olympic sports, makes you so much more well-rounded as mm, a coach. And, and not that, you know, not that someone who just did a basketball strength coach internship and then stuck with basketball isn't a good strength coach. But the well-roundedness, the, like you said, having to learn how to bring your your energy or whatever you want to call it to meet the needs of the people that you're working with mm -hmm. that day is really unparalleled, I think. So I, I wish I everybody, like we were saying, we were talking about this yesterday and we were saying everybody should have to work you know, in the Ivy League or, you know, where they have to get. Just one internship. Yeah. <laughs> Just one semester. Yeah. Go to the Ivies. It'll open your eyes. Yeah. Well, and like you said before, too, I think I think the same thing about football. I think like the experience working with football. And again, I don't train football anymore was probably the best ex one of the best strength mm. coaching experiences that I've ever had because of the sheer amount of the people that you have to manage the things that are happening you know it's fast paced like yeah. and, you know it made me better 100 mm. percent yeah I agree um so uh Dartmouth then you know now you're a head strength coach all on your own uh what was that transition like? And now you're going from, uh, you know, the Ivies to Division Three. Uh, also going from nice little small beautiful town to the big city. <laughs> I have literally only traveled and gone from one extreme to the next. Like there has never been like, oh, you're going from one city to another city. No, it's you're going from rural no man to massive city, yeah. um, which was very eye-opening because for almost four years in Hanover to like the Big Apple, like, right. the, there is nothing different yeah, than that. Yeah. Um, going from the Ivy League, Division One to Division Three, completely different. Yeah. Um, and it it's had its days. It's not easy. Being a head strength and conditioning coach on your own right. um, is not easy, but I think the Ivy League and having all that the 10 teams, the 15 teams where you're by yourself and you're grinding it out in the Ivy League is what prepared me to do this position yeah. at NYU. Yeah. Is it harder or not? I mean, maybe that's not the right wording, but being a young female too now as a head strength coach? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you definitely get the looks. You're like, you're a head strength and conditioning coach. Right. Like, yeah. Like, they're like, you're by yourself. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so you coach all the teams you have you, you work with the men's teams too like <laughs> yes I, I have them all everybody um so i mean it is breaking a lot of barriers and it's i don't think people thought i would have been where i am now i didn't even know i was going to be here yeah. like it's been a very interesting 10 years in my profession and if someone had asked me like 10 years ago if I like where I saw myself, right. I knew I wanted to be a head strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. I just didn't think it was going to happen in 10 years. Yeah. I was like 15 years. Yeah. Probably 20 years. Oh no. Like I got there before 10 years and yeah. it's been really exciting to like see that progression and the growth that I've had as a person. Nice. That's great. Well, and I know, um, NYU is a little bit unique too. So maybe talk about some of your challenges in a D3 setting, but as well as, in the Big Apple in, in, in a school like NYU? So NYU is kind of is taking over the entire city. So we have one building and nobody has 
a home court advantage pretty much. Swimming is the only team that has a home court advantage because <laughs> their pool is in our building. Okay. Um, everybody else is traveling like an hour to a practice. They're like this and that. Um, so the scheduling aspect of trying to get kids into the weight room, and we have 23 sports, I think. Okay. Um, is very interesting and then you're by yourself i have i'm lucky enough to have two assistants that give me roughly 10 hours um a week uh, <laughs> not a day <laughs> that's a week a week so um i do a little bit of a block scheduling which helps me have a work-life balance um but trying to get the teams in and it's all day like teams are overlapping on a half hour. You're, you only get them in there for an hour and you're pushing them out and trying to make sure that your programming has flow so that when one team's on the platform, the other team is not on the platform. Right. And you, not to say you're pushing them out the door at the end of right, the hour, right. but you try to be very efficient with your programming and their time because they're busy and they right. have to travel and they yeah. have to get to class and they're stressed out because they're in class at yeah. NYU. Yeah. So... It's tough. I mean, but coming from the Ivy, like, I've already seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about high academic pressure versus, yeah. Um, so you so you bringing teams in, like, on the hour every hour, or is it quicker than that? Is it, like, half hour, and um, you know these guys are moving to this section, and you can get these other guys started? It depends on the size of the team. So, yeah. like, baseball and swimming obviously have to be by themselves because they yeah. have about 30, 35 kids there um on the team so like that they have to be in the weight room by themselves yeah. if i have smaller teams i can usually fit like two teams i'm very very lucky that i have a very nice facility yeah and i it i think it rivals some d1 facilities nice. like and i'm a d3 school so yeah. um with 11 platforms like i can i can yeah. get some teams in there um so we try to almost start them not some teams start on the half hour some teams start at the hour but you get them in you get them through their warm-up get the first team onto the platform when the first team is midway through like their a block the next team might be coming in okay. so it's it's hard to manage when you're thinking about it but yeah. like once you're in it you're like oh this works yeah just keep it going yeah that's awesome are you um trying to kind of do you have exercise science there at the school we have a pt program okay. um so i've been trying to utilize them and so we have student workers okay and the student workers actually have a very nice role um and i've been trying to like hand pick them from the teams so like i have a couple baseball players i have a couple soccer players nice. and i have them out on the platforms almost coaching like interns okay. but they are not interns okay. they might they have no interest in being gotcha. strength and conditioning okay. coaches okay. um but i use them and the kids start are now like all the student athletes are starting to ask them for help so i can like maybe get something done yeah. like maybe write a program in the middle of the day <laughs> um but one of them is a PT student, and she is phenomenal. Nice. And she has her CSCS because that's part of the program oh, for them. Okay. Like by, I think, the end of the first year, they have to have their CSCS. Oh, wow. Okay. So when she reached out to me, I was like, wait, yeah. I can yeah, utilize you this. You can be a supervisor. <laughs> I was like, all right, like, how can I utilize this more? How yeah. can I utilize this program? So I've been really, this summer, 
trying to reach out to our PT program and get them more involved with us yeah. in the strength and conditioning department so that I can get more help because yeah. with one person, like there's just not right. enough help. You right. need to have more eyes yeah. on all these athletes. Yeah. What, what was the biggest uh, difference or maybe challenge coming from Dartmouth to NYU? Being by myself. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's honestly very lonely. Like right. you don't have anybody right, to right, like right. bounce ideas off yeah. of. Um, I went from having an office with four people in it right. and another office with another two people in it. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're by yourself in a weight room with just 20 year old athletes, like 20 year old <laughs> kids. Um, and the athletic trainers are close. Their office is right next to me, but they're not going to talk strength and conditioning with me. Yeah, they're yeah. talking about injuries yeah. and how to keep someone healthy. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to talk about lifting weights. <laughs> <laughs> so like having, not having someone to like bounce ideas off of yeah, every day totally. is, is really almost like it's heartbreaking. Cause you're like, who am I going to talk to yeah. all day? Yeah. How, so how has that made you adapt how you network and talk chop with people? I literally allow any single human <laughs> that wants to come through nice. your city. I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on in. Right. Come, if you're listening come, to visit. this and you're, if you're near yeah, New York City. <laughs> come to NYU, talk shop with me. Um, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I reach out. I do a lot of emails. Um, I always am ta trying to like contact my old friends like that I worked with. Like, what are you doing? Like, and I've been really lucky. A lot of them have now started becoming head coaches nice. so like like we were talking about earlier like they're cranking out coaches and now right. all of them are division yeah. one coaches yeah, yeah. Like, totally. it's really nice to see yeah no that's a really good point too um and do do you have pretty good support for continued education from your department standpoint um, too yes and no um it was a little bit tough for me to get here this year okay. um i they give us continuing education and they'll allow us to do it. I just don't think that NYU has realized that we have to do continuing right. ed. Yeah. Like yeah. they're willing to give you all the money in the world to do some stuff. Yep. And then they're like pulling back on Got other it. things. Yeah. But like it has nothing to do with them not wanting us to stay up to date. Yeah. I just think that it's almost, they don't, they're not, they don't realize that we need these CEUs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. To, con to do our job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So partially just educating the right people too. Um, do you have any tips or suggestions for other D3 coaches or maybe people that are thinking about going to that setting or found mm -hmm. themselves as a new head coach like you have <laughs> that you've done? Um, keep the door open. Like don't ever turn people away continually talk to people, see what they're doing. Like reaching out has been the best thing for me. Like yeah. three years ago, I came to this conference and I don't think I knew anybody. I was like forcing people to be my friend, to talk <laughs> to people. And here I am three years later, like on the NSCA coaching podcast, like oh, yeah. you have to want to talk to people to learn and just continuously yeah. try to like reach out to people. And tell people what you're doing, you know, because mm. you're doing the, great stuff. So it's like you can probably help a lot of other people who are in similar settings, you know. Yeah. And I mean, 
I remember when I started, like everyone was like, no, this is a secret. You can't, we, we, I don't want you to know what I'm doing on this yeah. program. No, like put it out there. Yeah. Like ask other people what they're doing with their programs. Um, if you have a weird sport that you're not sure about, go and find someone who does. Right. Find the expert in it. Like I remember when I had sailing, I was like, I don't know what sailing's doing. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And I reached out to like one of the other Ivies to be like, all right, you have sailing. What are you doing with them? Yeah. Like, don't, don't be nervous to do that. Like, reach out. Like, people are willing to talk to you to tell you what they're doing. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's, again, that's an underlying factor, too, of these events, especially the NSCA events that I've been to, and obviously I've been to a lot, but, like, the people I met and the people were so open and willing to help you, no mm. matter what that looked like, whether it was, like, helping with a program or a sport that you never worked with or telling you to come meet them for a drink or go mm -hmm. to the bar and hang out where you're talking shop and just learning so much more you know I mean, and i think as a female it's tough because it is a male dominated field and you don't want to come across like i'm going to ask you a question about something like that i don't know about and we automatically clam up because we're like you're going to judge me yeah. they're not going to judge you like you yeah. just if you want knowledge Go out and find it. Yeah. Is there anything other specifically that you would advice you would give to females in the field or getting it and want to get into the field? I mean, besides like networking and really just trusting your gut and talking to people. Um, mm, let's see. Ten years back, what would I wish I would have known? Yeah. I feel like... Well, you just it, teed up a pretty good one there, you know, about networking and not being yeah. afraid to ask questions. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, people are going to find... And, again, I've said this, too. You know, I think Andrea and I talked about it yesterday. So people will have heard that podcast, too. But, you know, obviously, you look at the men's soccer national team for, and women's soccer national mm -hmm. team, right? So we've obviously got some clear issues with the way people are paid but you know a, a great strength coach is a great strength coach right yes and so if if you're excellent at your job it shouldn't matter no yeah and i mean that was for me when i was at dartmouth caitlin sweeney was in charge of football mm. I, I, and she was my boss technically i mean bob was our boss bob miller is who we were referring to earlier and was the director of olympic sports um, but someone else was generally the head of football mm -hmm. and she was when i was there so like it didn't it was never uh, and I mean, she was one yeah. of the first females right. to yeah. take to over be football. in charge of football. Yeah. So it was never, never, uh, I knew more, I think, had female coaches than I did, you know, men at that point mm. in my career. So it was That's just, crazy. it was just the way that it came up. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Department. And she owned that place, man. Those dudes were scared of her. It was great. I, I heard stories <laughs> about Caitlin when I got there. And she is, she's at um, Notre Dame now? Um, West Virginia now. Oh. She just left Notre Dame. Yeah. For her. Yep. So they moved up. I think she's like associate something for strength conditioning. So hopefully she's listening. Good job, Caitlin. Appreciate the mentorship. Um, 
No, this has been great. I know a lot of people are going to have questions um, and want to reach out to you. You want to throw any of your social media out there? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, you can find me on NYU underscore strength on Instagram. Um, there's also the same thing on Facebook. Um, please reach out to me. You can always find me on my email address, which is krf number two at nyu.edu. Um, please reach out if you're in New York. 100% come through come see her. and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, she's looking for people to talk to. So get over there to NYU. Uh, thanks again for being on the show. It was super you. great. It's always good seeing you. And uh, we got one more day of a conference here and all the coaches are speaking today. So we're looking forward to it. Mm, I am too. Very thanks excited again. to go and see Angie hoodie. Yes. Yes. Nice. Well, thanks again. Uh, as always, thanks to our partners in crime, the Sornex Exercise Equipment that support the podcast and everything we do with the NSCA. Couldn't do it without them, and we couldn't do it without all of you guys. So we appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast. And again, you know, make sure that you're signing up uh, ahead of time. Subscribe. Go on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us a review if you like it. If you don't, feel free not to. Um, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Kaylee. You often hear these podcasts recorded at NSCA conferences and events. Why not join us at the next one? You can get all the details on upcoming events at nsca.com slash events. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.